0: This is Great Dane Nation presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Morton Anderson. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Freeze-Pops. Tommy, what do we have this week?
1: Morton, thanks as always for having me. And week seven of the NFL regular season is upon us. And we're joined by one of the best kickers in today's game. You'll see him on Thursday night football tomorrow night. Super Bowl champion Brandon McManus of the Denver Broncos joins the show. Then we'll get into Morton's Fast Five, where we'll give you our picks for the five biggest matchups of the NFL weekend. And finally, we'll close things out with Morton's game winner. But before we get into all of that, let's hit the opening kick.
0: Morton Anderson kicks off, and it's a beauty through the end zone. And Morton Anderson has been doing that with regularity this season and throughout his illustrious career. My heart is full today. The last three days, our family foundation hosted special teams for special ops events in honor of our elite warriors and their families. We all leave feeling full of gratitude and empowered by the validation that this country has the best trained and loyal soldiers on earth. Saturday night, we kick things off with nearly 200 guests at the River Club coming together to raise funds and enjoy each other's company. No drama, no egos. Just humans helping humans at the highest level with good vibrations. Sunday is always my favorite day. Neighbors and friends gather for a barbecue at our home. We picked our invited guests up, all the soldiers and boats at the lodge on Lake Lanier and set out in beautiful weather, drinks in hand. Stories were shared and friendships forged. It was private, intimate, and for many of us life-changing and affirming. There's value in spending time with an elite soldier and listening to his story. You learn that they have incredibly high standards. They're patriots and loyal to the flag. I see myself in them. Had I not been a professional football player, I believe that I could have been one of them. There are similarities in thinking and executing in sports and the military. We're independent thinkers, yet depending on each other. I'm tired today. But there's no way that I will stop, not now, not ever. As long as there's breath to draw, we will support our heroes, our soldiers, our legacy, and theirs
1: depend on it. There we go. That's a beautiful way to get things started today. And before we get into your conversation with Brandon McManus, I wanted to tell you guys about our friends from BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. And they have a really cool promotion going on right now for new players only. Bet $10 to win $200 if your team scores a touchdown. Bet on any NFL money line, and if your team scores a touchdown, you'll receive an additional $200 in free bets. Must be 21 or older to play. Legal in Arizona, New Jersey, Indiana, Colorado, Tennessee, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. Full terms and conditions apply. Bet MGM is the king of sportsbooks, and it is the official odds maker of Great Dane Nation. Now let's get into that conversation with Brandon McManus.
0: Let's kick it. My guess today on Great Dane Nation is one of the elite kickers in the NFL today. His journey is amazing. It's not without bumps in the road, but he has persevered. And uh, I can't wait to talk to Brandon McManus. Brandon, how are you doing? Good, morning. How are you?
2: appreciate you coming on a a Legends podcast. Thank you for having me.
0: So let me start at Peyton Manning's after party. We met there for the first time. And uh, my producer, Tom, was saying, man, I want to introduce you to, to Brandon. And he said you were starstruck. So I figured... Because Tom Brady and Peyton Manning was in the room, you were you were kind of, uh, you know, a little taken aback. I certainly was, but that wasn't the case. You were you were there. You were kind of fired up to meet me, which I appreciate. No,
2: uh, uh, well, I grew up watching, watching you and just a, a tremendous career. And I played for, oh, oh, I'm, I'm 30 now, but at the time, you know, you played for longer than I was born. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, just, uh, just really enjoyed watching you. you. You transcended the game with accuracy. And. And power and you took kicking to a whole other level and made it fun and cool for a lot of us guys that were young so it was an honor and a pleasure to meet you there and uh you know just a couple of kickers hanging you know with the greatest football players of all time obviously you being one of them with well, that beautiful bus behind you
0: i appreciate you saying that you know the game has come a long way when i started in 1982 we were just coming out of the middle ages uh, as far as kicking You still had a few straight on guys, uh, Mark Mosley, Rich Dan Meyer, Steve Cox, and those guys were great, but it became an obsolete way to uh, kick. I mean, the soccer style kicker, really the first guy, Gogolak, the Gogolak brothers, but then really Jan Stenerud kind of took it to another level. And I felt like my generation, you know, the Gary Anderson, Jason Hansons, Eddie Murray's, the Pete Stoyanovich's, Nick Lowry and myself, we kind of modernized it, right? We kind of took it to become a viable weapon where people had to scheme, had to pay attention to that position where and before it was kind of an afterthought. And then your generation has now taken it to a whole nother level, Brandon, Um I kicked around 80% for 25 years. I know you're around 81, 82% right now, I think, in your career. You got Justin Tucker at 90 plus percent. And, you know, I was looking, when I was looking at some research for you, Brandon, it blew my mind because my first year salary was 40 grand. You're averaging over $4 million. Okay. I, it's, it's out there. So it's not a secret. You right. know, Justin is at 5 million. Right. My question is my first question to you is where's my scratch? You know, you you know, we we blazed away here. I still have not seen a check, Brandon. What's going on?
2: <laughs> well, you said what you made your first year, I don't know what you ended up making your last year, but you know, but uh about
0: a million, about a million.
2: But but um like you said, you guys transcended the game and now it's become more of a financial and lucrative position as well. Oh my gosh. Um, Unbelievable. Especially it's funny when you compare it now, you know, there's a lot of kickers who win games nowadays and it comes down to it more. It's more crucial and critical than ever. Yeah. But, you know, the running back position is, is one that I, I pay attention to a lot and it is taken a big hit in the market as yeah. well. They just continue to go to a younger guy, which is kind of the process for kickers as well. Once you kind of an older kicker kind of gets priced out or, yada yada they'll try to get a rookie and new guy to replace you so the running back position is similar but the running back position really doesn't make a lot of money either and there's probably more kickers that make more money almost than half the starting running backs in the nfl which is funny and and good for good for me and tucker and and good for you
0: guys yeah Um, for sure it's a if you look at the game today it's a passing game and so that running back it really becomes another receiver now right
2: Yep. I completely agree. So, uh, obviously it's been good, but we continue, you know, hopefully we we continue to set the bar high and continue to try and, uh, you know, take it to a whole other levels.
0: Yeah, you have. And, uh, back to the Peyton Manning party and, you know, he's doing that Manning cast. Have you checked it out? And what do you think about his, how the guys are doing?
2: Yeah, I've, I've watched it, uh, playing with him and his humor. So I, I, have only watched his, you know, Manning cast last week. They didn't do it, but the humor that they have with each other, um, you know. Before you, know, you talked about kind of my story a little bit, you know, the troubles I went through. But I, you know, uh, so I was with the, the Giants for a, a preseason, so I had a chance to meet and you know play a little bit with Eli. And then I was traded from Eli to Peyton. Cool, very cool thing to, for for me to experience, and uh, just to watch them two together. Obviously, I think Eli got in a little bit of trouble, you know. <laughs> for-
0: <laughs> the double Latino, the Philly yeah, double Latino. Yeah,
2: yeah so. You know that's just who they are. they are, are very charismatic, yeah. funny people, yeah. really uh, really a joy. and it's so knowledgeable of the game. Uh, just to hear them talk and break things down about you know certain plays where what they would do and, and what you know Derek Carr was reading one game and, and yada, yada. it's uh, it's it's super informative for a lot of football fans.
0: So when you're on the sideline, at least this is me, I did follow the game, but it wasn't to the point where I would get emotionally involved too much because I felt like when we crossed the 50 yard line, I would put on the hard hat, I'd put on the helmet because you're, you're a first down away from it's from a field goal. Did you have a similar kind of thought process on that? Because I, I just felt like if I was too in, invested in the game and analytical during the game, it would take the focus away from the way I needed to prepare.
2: It's a good question. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that I'm not analytical, but I know I am. I, but similar to you, once you get to a certain point towards that 50-yard line or where you're getting down in there, it's completely all, I got to get ready for my potential job. Um, I've just grown up, you know, watching football since I was three years old, going to Eagles games. You know, my dad was a season ticket holder. I just love the sport and I I like to think I'm one of the most knowledgeable people in it. And I really enjoy it and and understand kind of the situations of kicking, you know, obviously with special teams and kicking, there are so many situations that go into that special teams that I've really studied and, and, and really enjoyed kind of the art of it. So mm-hmm. but once I kinda like similar to you, uh once we kinda get towards the fifty yard line and I, I kinda have a routine of once even the offense gets the ball, even if it's on our twenty yard line after a touchback or something, I'll at least get two kicks in just in case, you know, a big return breaks or something. Big just play, so yeah. I'm sta- I'm starting to kind of prep my mind for that. And then like, mm-hmm. as you said, as we kind of get down the field, you know, I want to give the punter a chance if he needs to warm up and this and that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but once we kind of get close to the midfield there, um, you know, I'm pretty much locked and loaded about, you know, what I need to do, you know, if it's windy, what do I got to start thinking about, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah. I think for me anyway, Brandon, you know, I had the situational awareness of here's the flow of the game. I always tried, And I think as I got older, got more experienced, maybe that's a better way to say it. More kicks under my belt. I, I tried not to play the game. What I mean by I, I let the game come to me. What I mean by that is some younger guys, and I don't know if you have this feeling. If I can kind of get you to think back to your very first couple of years in the NFL, we tended to be a little over anxious and eager to want to go out there. You know, if I don't if I don't get a kick in the let me get off to a good start. Let me get that first kick in the first quarter and I'm rolling. But if that kick didn't come till the third quarter or at the end of the half, you'd be impatient and you would get in your own way. Whereas when you matured a little bit, you let the game come to you and you say, Hey, my ability is right here. You know, my workbench, my, I'm able to perform at a high level in any given situation. My positive behavior is dominant. I'm going to plug myself into the situation, and when it presents itself, I think that really helped me my later years. Does that make sense to you? And can, yeah, does that, that resonate? Does that resonate at all?
2: with you? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I, I definitely see, especially depending on how you're kicking as well during the season as well. You know, let's say you're not performing well, you do. You're kind of tending. Hey, let me get a kick, <laughs> good kick out of the way. You know, that way I continue to do good. Um, so I, I would say that for sure. When I was younger. You know, it, it is obviously better to kind of get the first kick over with per se, as, as people say. Uh, but I'd say, you know, I, I just had a game this past week where I just had an extra point. Uh, maybe at the end of the first quarter, I didn't kick again. The rest of the game, uh, so you have games like that. But uh, as you know, the the game might be in reach. It still might only be seven seven, and you have to wait three quarters to kick the game winning field goal. And it just comes down to you know, it helps obviously being you know. I've probably experienced every possible kick, you know, a kicker can experience now uh, in yeah. my career. So yes. um, the, the experience of, of having that, you know, of kind of the ups and downs of it and, and, and knowing what to do and how to prepare myself, you know, definitely helps. So I think over the years, obviously, you get wiser, you learn how to take care of your body, You learn how to, to prep. And uh, obviously, it's the main key in, in trying to stay successful and play for a long time.
0: So I'm going to give you a scenario, and I, I, want, I want to hear your take on it from your perspective uh, with your experience in a game. I was really ill. I had the flu one game. We're playing Dallas. I'm with the Giants. Jason Garrett is my, my holder. I go out in warm-ups in Dallas and literally cannot make a field goal in warm-ups. I mean, I, I think I made maybe two or three kicks. Jason's thinking to himself, you know, but he, he didn't tell me this until I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago. He said, man, this is not going to be good. It's going to be a terrible game. Well, in the game, I went five for five, somehow found this ability to refocus when when I was sick. Have you ever been really sick in a game? You had a terrible warm-up, but you were able to somehow get it together in, in a regular season game. Has, does, does this make any sense yeah, to you? The, I have a big
2: smile on my face because actually uh, it happened twice. Last, I wasn't sick. I don't know what my issue was. but
0: Just off, uh, yeah.
2: Twice uh, last last season. And uh, both of them were similar to what you said, were incredible games. Uh, well, the first one was at the New York Jets. Uh, it was a Thursday night football game. And, you know, I really didn't like the turf that they had. It was super soft and spongy. And yeah. for me, being a super tall guy at 6'4", for some reason, I kept sinking down so much. So I didn't I, – you, you said you made two kicks tomorrow. Um, and so right before that, I did all my whole warm-up. I like, I got to do something. So I went and put on an extra pair of socks. As well to try to think if maybe i could get a centimeter taller you know in my plant foot so i don't sink down as much so i had a really good game i had 250 yards in the last two minutes to help us win the game and then the next week i don't know if it was the next week. i think it was the next week as well we were playing in new england and um i don't know why again there was no excuse for that one for the, the turf or anything I, you know, I didn't have the greatest form but it wasn't near as bad and then I set my uh, career record day, six for six field goals. Um, and we won uh, all eight. You know, I had all 18 points to help us win the game. So I know exactly. I, I've been a firm believer in I'm I'm in the NFL for a reason, and I'm talented enough. If I have a bad warm up, it shouldn't translate to the game. And if I have a great warm up, I still got to be locked in and focused for the game. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to place it and go through it that way.
0: Yeah, you were actually AFC special teams player of the week following that game. Uh, you've had a few of those. It's a good feeling, validation, but it wasn't easy, man. You are from te- you know you went to Temple. I read somewhere you were actually thinking about becoming a surgeon. Is that is that something uh, you can share with yeah, you?
2: Yeah, I went to school uh, for biology pre med. I think the chances of being a doctor are still difficult, but the percentages of being a doctor are probably higher than uh, making it in the NFL, I'm sure. So you know that was one of my realistic goals, I guess, for uh, you know my, my education. So I went to school for body a to be an orthopedic surgeon. And, uh, you know, I, I worked my butt off, you know, to continue to try and, and make my, my childhood dream of being in the NFL happen. And it took a little bit, but, you know, I was able to to make through and break through.
0: Yeah, you had a great, I mean, you were a dominant kicker in punter Temple. You hold all sorts of records there at the school, all, all-time points leader in Temple history. And you graduate there in, in 13, Brandon. And then you're signed as an undrafted free agent with the Colts, but you get cut before the season. So... You know, they had someone there named Adam Vinatieri. We've all heard of him, obviously. He'll have a gold jacket here shortly. What was it like coming into that first NFL training camp, knowing that one of the best kickers ever was in in that place? And what were your impressions of Adam?
2: It was was really, obviously, if not one of the best locations I could have went to, one, learning from him. And two, I I was trying to be somewhat competitive in the fact that he was probably coming off his two worst seasons of his career. And if you kind of, if you look through his stats, I think the words is, and maybe he's only a couple of times ever in the 70% low seventies. Uh, so one, I wanted to learn from him and, and potentially, you know, I knew I might have a chance to, to make it if possible. And I knew I would get a chance in the preseason with him being older. I would get a lot of kicks in the preseason uh, to help, you know, expose myself to the league. So, but going there, you know, we were hanging, I was hanging with Adam there at, at Peyton's party as well. And, you know, still remain great friends to this day. And I've, I've really enjoyed my friendship with him and, but learning from him, was you know, just wanted to be a sponge as we talked about situations. He, he's you know kicked yeah. three Super Bowl game-winning field goals and learning you know the mental aspect of the game. And I people always ask me you know, you know what is the game? Is it seventy percent mental, fifty percent mental? And I would say it's ninety percent mental, and the other ten percent is mental as well. It is. <laughs> That's a,
0: a good. Con- I like that. It's
2: a constant battle with yourself. Yeah. I mean, we all yeah. if you, once you. A lot of people, there's probably, I don't know, 10,000 kickers that probably have the same talent in this world as, as yep. 32 jobs, but there's probably only 32 of them. And well, there's less than 32 probably that, that can keep their job for a long time mentally. 10, so that's why I guys, really really hone in on, on the mental aspect of it and um, and constantly trying to work. Uh, and, and like you said, as a positive affirmation for yourself. And just talking with Adam, you know, it was, uh, was incredibly valuable for me and um, I've, I've, you know, like I said, stayed friends with him to this day, and I've really enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, I was, I was a mechanical kicker, meaning I, I was analytical in the sense that I was very trying to be very precise in my pre-kick routine and very precise through the run-up, the plant, and all those things. Where a Gary Anderson, uh, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way, Gary was a feel guy. I think Adam was more of a feel guy, uh, yep. kinesthetic, yep. kinesthetic guy, where he, you know. He just had the spacing right and um he kept it very simple just like gary did i have the feeling you're more of a mechanical guy what tell me what you think you are
2: i don't know it depends on who you have to you talk to for that um i'm
0: talking to you i want to, yeah, I, I want to know you i would good. probably
2: say no more more free flowing kickoffs for sure free flowing you know I, I, sometimes i'll kick off for my field goal steps three yards i'll go five yards without doing any steps similar to that Janikowski, where or who just walk off
0: oh no, I crazy don't,
2: i don't I don't do that for my field goals. I I don't I don't trust myself for that. It's um, freaking insane. I know. I, it's it's incredible what he did. Um but th- there there is a point to me where, you know, as you I'm sure it's happened to you, where I've hit a great kick and a miss and I've hit bad kicks and it's gone in. You know, it's just the nature of the business. But I mechanical and analytical in the sense of I know before I even kick the ball whether I made it or not. I can feel yes. body yes. press, feel I can feel where I'm supposed to be. And yep. how I'm supposed to be at that, I'd say, you know, it is more of my mechanical and, and I, I need to know, I need to be here. Then, you know, the 99% chance I'll make the kick.
0: I think you're a hybrid then. I think everybody who's at a very high level is able to tap into a little bit of both. You know, I talk about the moment of truth a lot. The moment of truth for a kicker is when the plant foot hits the ground, you're either right or wrong. And I think that's what you're kind of alluding to, yep, no, you, you, yeah. you know, right away, you know, before foot hits ball, if you're in jail or if you're free flowing, if you <laughs> will, down the target line. And it's a real shitty feeling, isn't it? When you, uh, when you know, oh, man, that plant foot's too close, too close to the ball. I'm pushing this, this ball is getting pushed, yeah. uh, in my case, left and in your case, right. So it's sure nice when you have that wide plant and you can clear the hip down the target line. That's like, that's a great feeling, isn't it?
2: <laughs> For sure. And like, yeah, once the plant hits or, you know, you start, you start to feel that momentum down towards the ball. It's, uh, you know you know i know exactly what i'm supposed to
0: do so after the colts uh, i'm just jumping around a little bit here but yep. then you you land in new york with the giants but you're traded really before week one because matt prater was suspended there for four games and you come to denver and how difficult was that first season with you was there ever a time where you go man this this is a grind right you know i was i was cut from the colts i was i was traded from the giants now i'm in denver I mean, rarefied air, that's certainly a nice asset to have as a kicker, right? The ball yep. travels a little further. But how difficult was the first year? You kept grinding, though. You kept it rolling. And, you know, it wasn't steady employment at that point. Uh, right. Let's talk a little bit about when the aha moment came for you. Or was there ever the time when you go, shit, I, I don't know if I'm going to make this?
2: Yeah, I think. So, so something I wanted to do that, you know, you will know and a lot of younger kickers would understand is um, I was originally kind of a three-step kicker. I had a small jab step. And then yes. went to my my next two steps. Now I was when I was in Indianapolis for the preseason and the Giants for the preseason. I was perfect, never missed a field goal. I, you know, obviously with a strong leg, was kicking all touchbacks. It was not a problem. So you know, I was I was hoping that I'd get a chance, you know, for a job. Now when I was making the kicks though, they all weren't dead center. Obviously, you prefer to have a kick dead center. Continue to kick the same ball every time. I wasn't doing that, so I was kind of getting away with not dumb luck, but some luck. So going to Denver, I knew I wanted to get rid of my jab step for sure, but I wasn't going to do it my first real opportunity of kicking it. No. (laughs) So uh, I was in in Denver, did did okay in the beginning part of the season. I had two 50-yarders I missed and a 38-yarder, which was my kind of first that they ended up cutting me after against Miami Dolphins. It was snowing. I hit the upright on. And then um, my other kick, I missed the upright. So I had two 50-yarders and two off the upright. The other one was in New England. Uh, so I was like, man, you know, now my dumb luck that was helping me is, is almost against me now with the two uprights. And so they, they released me and they signed Connor Barth and they uh, signed me the next week to continue to kick off. Well, in that week, that one week, I, I completely removed the jab step. And so probably within two to three weeks, I was comfortable uh, kicking field goals again. Obviously, I wasn't doing it the rest of that season, but um, continued to do it there throughout that season in practice kicked off the rest of the year. And then when training camp came around, you know, I earned my job back, and uh, you know, I had, you know, arguably the greatest postseason ever. You know, that season, ten for ten. Unbelievable. Yeah, you were, you were, uh, man, you, you. You you know, to me, that was kind of my aha moment. Was uh, I had to go through, unfortunately, uh, some negative stuff. Uh, You know, I give John Elway crap all the time. About you know cutting me for there, but I I understand the nature of the business you know especially with Peyton wanting to win and you know obviously his love and hate for kickers as as we all know. Um, Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) uh, But no, I I needed I knew I needed to do that. I wasn't going to do it my first opportunity in the NFL to remove that jab step. But you know I I did it you know just enough right right amount of time for me to continue to succeed.
0: 2015 man, that was you you win the starting job. You never look back as you say and you became the third kicker in that season in NFL history to hit three field goals of 56 plus now I was I was the first guy to hit three over 50 back in 1995 now a whole bunch of guys have done it right so that that's impressive in itself but then like you said 10 field goals in the playoffs three in the super bowl in super bowl 50 you guys beat the panthers uh, 24 to 10 those are big kicks right there big moments to helping your team Hoister Lombardia, that was awesome, and as you mentioned, six for six there, and that eighteen to twelve win at Gillette was another big highlight. And you just keep adding on to it, man, um, solidifying your your records and your your legacy. It's fun to watch. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about the Broncos today. You know, as, as you sit here, uh, I need to mention that we're recording this before the, your, your fifth game against Pittsburgh. So you know, you've had a great start to the season, right? You're three and one. Is this where you thought you'd be here in the AFC West? I mean, this is a, a hell of a division you got going here. <laughs> what, what, what were you know were expectations for this team high? I mean, it seems to me when you look at your roster, and I talked to uh, Steve Adward about this, I had him on. He said, you know, bottom to top on this roster as talented as any any football team in you know in the league. Do you feel like you have one of the most complete rosters in the NFL? And Are you where you thought you'd be?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know we've had some we're such a story of winning tradition and then you know, the past couple of years have, have not been that at all so it's at least some of the older guys have been here who have, have tasted that winning but one of the unique things like Steve was talking about about our roster is I've never seen so many rookies right pro ready ready to play you know obviously we drafted Patrick Sertain his father played in the league and I mean he is as good as advertised he's ready to play we've we had a a young safety in the fourth round, Kaden Stearns, who looks like a young Justin Simmons, who you know was the highest-paid safety, you know, in the league. So I think this is such a was a good mesh this year more than ever. Was such pro-ready rookies, um, a bunch of vets that were tired of really tired of losing, and then we we threw brought Teddy Bridgewater in, who was kind of a nice glue, new new change in leadership, and, and help you know motivate us uh, in the right way, you know, not just. You know, doing everything, you know, you're supposed to do, but, you know, checking in on everybody and, and elevating their preparation and their in-game play to match his. So, um, obviously, we played – every every week in the NFL is difficult. You will see an undefeated team lose to a defeated team. But coming out the season, you know, we thought we would have a good chance to get out, you know, to a 3-0 start. And then we knew this kind of coming in here will be our tough stretch of, of playing some good AFC North teams and then the Cleveland Browns. And, and as you mentioned, the AFC West – if not, the NFC West is looking very strong with the AFC West. You know, top to bottom looks, uh, you know, very difficult as well. So uh, continue to try to to hang in there with them. And, and um, you know, we have to beat the Chiefs, you know, at, at the end of the year. The other, they're a bit dominant in our division, and uh, we have to, you know, at least go one for one with them and, and hopefully 2-0 this, this year.
0: So it sounds to me when you talk about the strength of the Denver Broncos in the year 2021, the defense might be what you're kind of alluding to. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's an it's incredibly tough defense. Uh, our head coach is a defensive-driven guy. And, you know, I, I, we've had great you know weapons on offense. we got Cortland Sutton back. Terry Judy's been injured. He'll, he'll be coming back here, I think, shortly in a couple of weeks. And uh, so we, we have the capability of scoring points. But I think a lot of it's driven off the defense, continuing to limit the amount of plays that the defense is on the field, keep our offense on the field. Obviously, that's the – Sure. recipe for everybody but our, our defense has has a natural ability of a bunch of playmakers from from the Miller up front you know to two incredible safeties and and uh am sure whole defensive back field you know with Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby you know we have a chance to really take the ball away and you know make it yeah. difficult
0: yeah you you mentioned Von Miller he was AFC defensive player of the month in September how how important is it to have him back at full strength
2: huge um You know, an an all-time sack leader here in Denver Broncos history, a transcendent player, such a speed rusher that uh, really stretches and and makes the offensive tackles, you know, job very difficult. I love watching him play every time, you know, the offensive coaches have to scheme against him. You know, they have running backs, chipping him, tight ends, extra linemen, you know, always double teaming him. Uh, so it helps free up some other players that, that can kind of shine and make uh, their names heard as well. And, uh, you know, having him, he's, he stepped in the role, of being more of a leader, really lending his hand out to teach players to uh, include them into in a lot of things that he's doing off the field, you know, on the field, educating in the, in the film room. Um, it's, it's been awesome. And, uh, you know, super excited for him to continue, uh, you know, his success. You know, he's been back from from injury now twice towards ACL years ago, but now this yeah. season, injury last year just uh really excited to see him uh, back out there on the field all
0: right i have said many times now and i will stand by this statement we're going to see a 70 yard field goal soon and it's probably going to be in denver and so this begs the question that we we just saw justin tucker hit a 66 yarder at sea level great kick big kick uh, game winner you have the leg for it you know you've had opportunities but weren't afforded the opportunity. Remember, you were frustrated on one occasion. Yep. When uh, we're not gonna, we don't have to rehash that. <laughs> but given the opportunity, do you see yourself hitting one from seventy yards?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, I definitely think I have the capability to do it. Um, I don't know if it necessarily has to be in Denver, but it does have to be early in the season. I definitely would say September. Um, I really don't mind kicking and you know, if we were uh, in Jacksonville week two and it was kind of muggy out, but you know, to me, the ball was just flying off my foot. I was making 70 and warm-ups. Wow. Um, so I, I do think it has to be warm. There's no denying that I'm not a huge indoor kicker out of domes. Um, I, I much prefer grass. For me specifically. Really? So I think uh, for me, like the, the Tucker 66, you know, it was pretty impressive You know, indoors. Um, now, there's definitely times where, you know, you still kick the ball far indoors, but I, I, I prefer grass and the feel of outside. I don't know why that is, but hmm. um, it is. So I think as long as it's, you know, early in the season and warm, it could be done outside of Denver, uh, at least for someone like myself. It's probably Matt Prater, I think, could still do it. You know, he came up short from 68 by a yard. Yeah, sure, so, so, yeah, Greg. Greg could definitely That's do it. For he actually kicked probably the furthest ball I've ever seen. is maybe four or five years ago in Denver, uh, from like seventy four or something, and uh, he didn't make it, but he, he cleared it. He definitely cleared it, but it was incredible. You know, so it's uh, it's it's a small small amount from that crazy distance, but as you said, I think it could be done eventually.
0: So my only Denver Broncos story is that I hit a kickoff through the end zone, six yards into a stand, and hit a guy's beer, knocked it out of his hand yeah. on a kickoff, and the crowd went crazy. We got killed, but I think it was like the opening kickoff he of the game. Yeah, probably, the one time I saw the field.
2: He probably tried to send you an invoice for that beer, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was a bang. Hey, what about this? I had uh, Roger Godell on the show uh, a little while ago, and I said, Roger, why don't we uh, afford – You've talked to the rules committee, and let's change this rule. You guys love to tinker with the kickers. You love to mess with us and make it more difficult for us because we're getting better. How about affording us four points for a 60-yard field goal? What do you think about that, Brandon?
2: No, I, I think it's it's potentially a good idea. I think off the top of my head, on average, you probably make zero 60 yards per season, maybe one on average for throughout the whole yeah. season, the whole league. So, but
0: Maybe, that would, yeah, maybe it would force people to do nice. that more. It's a fun play right.
2: and that's why i'm saying it. it's not something egregious that would change the game where there's a bunch of four pointers all over the place because as you and i know it's still difficult to make those kicks from that distance yeah. um, mm-hmm. but i i do think it's a unique thing i know that they tinker maybe with the one point kickoff through the uprights uh for numbers like that too but i, I do think I, i'm a firm believer in at least changing the stats to show 60 and 60 60 to 69 yard field goals uh because mm-hmm. I know me, my, my for myself, my 50-yard field goal percentage should be a lot higher. But I have a lot of 60-yarders <laughs> that I haven't made. Uh, so I, I would, me personally, would love a 60-yard stat line. But um, I, I do think, you know, they love to tinker us, like you said, changing the extra point rules, the kickoff rules, and, and all these different things because we've gotten better and better and better. They don't make Tom Brady throw the ball underhand, you know, because he's breaking all these records. Uh, <laughs> right. just, I don't know why they keep picking on us. I I know why they do. I think that'd be a very unique and, and add a lot of strategy to the game. Um, definitely certain yeah. situations, you think you can get four points, you know, because as you see, there, a lot of times there are games that in that four point range, 24, you know, to 20, you know, 35, 31 is a big number. So having a, a yeah. field goal like that could really, yeah. um, you, know, you know, make the game more exciting.
0: There's one more rule change I brought up to the commissioner, and I think this one has to change again. They changed it, the onside kick. They took away the 5-5 five, five, can't overload it. You have to go 5-5 now. You can't overload. can't take a running start. You know, I was one of the first guys to do that big bounce, 12 yards right at the numbers. We would overload, and we'd go play basketball and rebound. It was a beautiful play, and it was actually like a one-in-three proposition at the time. Now we're at 4% to 6% success rate on onside kicks. They basically took that exciting play and made it a null and void play, in your opinion— don't you think we ought to go back to the old onside kick rule? I for
2: sure think on onside kicks you should be able to have at least the 5 yard head start of, of running. I'm I'm all for still being able to overload, you know, six people or or whatever it may be uh to do that on onside on kicks. I'm fine with that because you got we have to designate those as the kicks that we're going to hit, you know, you can't just say you're going to do it and then kick it deep. You know, obviously I think you can throw a flag on that. That's fine. Uh but for designate onside kicks, I do think, you know, the 4 to 6% is way too low because yeah. you, you, you're really taking a team out who, you know, has made an incredible comeback or something and the 4% chance is, is nothing. Uh, and you kind of really, in my sense, the flow of the game and the excitement of potentially uh, of back when you played and, and just before these rule changes, you had to be on your game to on the onside on the hands team, were onside oh, yeah. or, or else, you know, the team would recover it. Now, you know, those guys can make mistakes, yada, yada. But it's, it's so impossible for the people to get up, get there fast enough or can't, or can't, can't do. do it. So um, I'm a huge in favor of at least giving the five-yard head start on kickoffs. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, if we should be able to scheme it up any way you want to give your chance uh, to, to get the ball back.
0: We used to use that play a lot more as a surprise element. Right. So we would go surprise right. onside kick. And it used to be very effective. And to my point, when the Saints played the Colts, they opened the second half with a surprise yep, inside kick. Yep, I don't know if you remember that. It changed changed the whole game. Tom Morstead right. changed the whole game. It, 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 was, it was unbelievable. And uh, so I, I'd love to see I that agree. back. You know what I mean? I agree. Favorite kick of your career, my man?
2: There might be two. Uh, I was a big David Akers fan growing up in Philadelphia. You know, I loved watching David Akers. Like I said, it's gone to games since I was three years old you know, watching him kind of warm up and, and stuff like that. So uh, watching him, you know, was, was very cool. And then, you know, playing at Temple, playing in the same stadium, the Eagles Stadium was, was a, a cool experience for me as well. I've played my first game in Philadelphia. I had, I don't know, 180 tickets that I got for people, you know. Wow. Um, I didn't pay for them all, but, I, I you know, at least facilitated <laughs> to, to get them. And you know, I had two 50 yarders in my first NFL game back in Philadelphia, uh, as well. So I awesome. uh, love watching Dave Bakers. and then, um, one of my current, I, I'd say, a young guy who's you know, really been pretty good. I think Harrison Bunker's been pretty good. Um, yeah. young guy yeah. up with some big kicks. Uh, Tucker's, you know, to me, is arguably the greatest uh, of all time, most consistent, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Adam is probably the most clutch of all time, you know, with his Super Bowl kicks. But Tucker's—I really yeah. enjoy watching him continue to. It's—it's it's tough to always stay at the top for all these years, and he's done a tremendous job of doing that. So,
0: what's your favorite place to kick outside of Mile High?
2: Uh, Probably, yeah, probably Arrowhead Stadium. I love kicking in okay. Kansas City. Um, The fans are good. The, the rivalry's great. I've—I've I've always performed pretty well there, so I, I would say there is probably one of my favorite places to kick.
0: Do you have like a least favorite? I had mine. Uh,
2: you know. I uh, there's two. Cincinnati's not very fun. I'll tell you that. It's usually pretty windy. Like I said, I I prefer grass, especially on outdoor stadiums. Yeah. Um. So, Cincinnati, the, and then Tennessee was kind of tough. Uh, I played there once, and it was incredibly windy, and it wasn't like a fun win where you knew where it's gonna go. It was like pick your poison, and, and and you know hope it goes in. How about you? Exactly. How, how about you? Uh,
0: well, I I I had a difficult time in Candlestick. This was before they moved yep. to Santa Clara, it was a baseball field, and yep. you would come from dirt to grass or grass to dirt. Uh, it was a mess. I mean, it just—you didn't know. I mean, you, you had to, a cleat issue, you had a, a plant issue, yep. and it was just very difficult. Very windy on the bay there. Uh, uh, Old. I,
2: I attempted the at the time to tie the NFL record sixty-four out of the dirt, and it was my hmm. closest one to making the record, a record kick. I. I the returner could return it when above him and just below the crossbar, but dead center, but I was kicking off the dirt. So, you know, you can't, you can't really lean into it because you're going to no. slip. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one there. So, yeah, it's always interesting, but i played in all 32 uh, stadiums and at least the old ones. Now there's a few new ones. I haven't had a chance to, to go to
2: well, I said this year. Uh, after I play in Dallas, I'll have scored a point in all 32 stadiums as well. So it'll be cool. I'll that be, is cool. I'll be joining you in, in that category. So.
0: That is cool. That is fun. A couple of names at the end here. And whatever comes to mind when I mention the name, just uh, let, let me let me hear your thoughts on it. Peyton Manning.
2: True competitor and legends. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, John Elway. Tough, tough as nails and, and uh, a leader. Leader of Ben.
0: Britton Colquitt.
2: Smooth, smooth like butter. He was incredible, incredible, smooth butter and uh, huge for our, our playoff and Super Bowl run. Sam Martin. Uh, Sam's been great, great holder. Uh, really enjoyed, great friend of mine now. Can, can really bomb it. And uh, like I said, he's a great holder for me. Vic Fangio. Good head coach. Uh, no, he's been great. He, he's really grown on me. Uh, we really became closer over these three years. Great defensive mindset. He, he's an uh, incredible defensive coordinator and uh, really has done a, tr- a tremendous job of growing a- into a head coach now.
0: Yeah, he was a coach with the Saints when I was there for many years and uh really enjoyed He said he uh, stood
2: behind you all the time and watched you kick. and So he, do- he does that with me here too. So he still does exactly. Happy-
0: yeah. We had a little uh, saying every time we would see each other, we go, ho-ho, because ho! Uh, every time I made a kick when I would come to the sideline, he'd go, ho-ho, and he'd dab me up.
2: You know? All right, well, I'll say that to you.
0: Just one of those, yeah. When you see him, you go, "Ho oh, oh, ho!" And he'll know that you talked to I'll me. It. <laughs>
2: all
0: right, man. Demarcus, where?
2: Cowboys legend, Broncos legend. A, a to me, first ballot Hall of Famer as well. A specimen, yeah. True freak yeah. of the.
0: Akeem Chalib,
2: uh, my favorite teammate of all time. Incredible knowledge of the uh-huh. football game. Uh, just uh, we were seatmates in, in team meetings and just and, and next to each other on the plane. And listening to him talk about football, it's, it's very similar to Peyton Manning on that Manning cast. His knowledge as yep. a game is incredible. And uh, he's one of the funniest people ever as well. That's
0: cool. Gary Kubiak. Uh,
2: love Gary. Uh, similar to Vic. You know, I didn't get along with him great in the beginning, but uh, and, and have been better friends with him now. And, um, you know, he was a holder. I wore number eight after him. He was in number eight back in the day, and uh, really enjoyed, you know, learning f- football from him and, and situations like I talked about earlier. Um, and uh, you know, really helped be a leader that we needed for that Super Bowl team.
0: Finally, Brandon Staley.
2: Brandon Staley's awesome. I, we knew he was going to be a head coach for the Chargers. Very, very knowledgeable of football, and you know. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be great. I think I do think he's a great leader. You know, Von Miller talks so highly of him, and uh, really enjoyed uh, you know learning from him in the one year he was here.
0: So, in three four months, are we seeing the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl in L.A.? I,
2: I hope so. Obviously, that's what we're striving for. And um, I, as you know me, I'm going to continue to try and do my part uh, to make sure us, uh, we can win as many games as possible.
0: Yeah, I got you as one of the elite guys, uh, Brandon. You know, you've earned the right uh, and i know you continue to to improve and to be better i mean and you're in a great great spot right there you represent us well i appreciate your time today, Thank you, man appreciate it. and uh i'm here to help you in any way i can just know that uh, my phone uh you got my number call me anytime even if it's a bump in the road or just a question about life or whatever man uh, i'm here Sounds for good. you good. i appreciate
2: it it's an honor honor to be here again with you
0: That was a great conversation with Brandon. Of course, I'll have more on him in my game winner at the end of the podcast. But, Freeze Pops, before we get into this week's Fast Five, what do you have for us? The DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you the
1: Sportsbook National Championship. The SBNC is a weekend-long peer-to-peer tournament where players can buy into the tournament for a $1 million top prize. The tournament is being held at the Envoy Hotel in Weehawken, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. It begins on Friday, November 5th. It ends on Sunday, November 7th. And like I mentioned, you got a million bucks up for grabs. Play amongst the best sports bettors in the game for bragging rights. The winner of the tournament will be given free tickets to the Championship Series Tournament of Champions in January for an opportunity to be crowned as the GOAT. Here's how it all works. Players can bet on three different sports, the NBA, NFL, college football, with regulatory restrictions applying to college football. There's a $10,000 buy-in for the tournament, and players will receive a $5,000 bankroll for the weekend to use to place bets by entering a $5,000 pool, $1 million to first place with $2 million in guaranteed prizes throughout the weekend. You have to spend a minimum of $1,000 throughout the weekend to be eligible for the prize pool with no limit to the number of bets you can place. A leaderboard will track all of the bets placed along with outcomes, all bets placed pre-match, no live betting. People will be able to join the tournament throughout the weekend. And as of right now, if you live in New Jersey, you can play online using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So check out the SNBC in Weehawk in New Jersey on Friday, November 5th. Look for more information at DraftKings.com. Now let's get into Morton's Fast Five. This is Morton's Fast Five, presented by BetMGM, where we run through the five biggest games of the weekend. We'll give you the Hall of Fame knowledge. You guys place your bets accordingly. And after our best week yet, Morton, we had our worst week yet.
0: We went one for four in week six. Oh, no. A tough
1: week at the office.
0: Oh, you just don't – I don't know. This NFL, you just don't know. It was you, a weird week. The team's – that I'm saying, okay, they're they're trending. They're not trending, and so I can't figure it out. Home field advantage, not so much. I don't know. What the heck's going on? Roll the dice.
1: Exactly. Let's just flip the coin here and give it a shot here for All right. week let's, seven. Let's so. do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> let's kick things off with Thursday Night Football. We got the Broncos at Cleveland primetime on Fox and NFL Network. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Browns are three-point favorites at the time of this recording. Morton, these are two teams that really need a win right now.
0: They do, and the Browns, I mean, the Browns are at home, and I, I thought last week, you know, oh, they're gonna win at home. They got shellacked. They got spanked by Arizona. So, oh man, Broncos, they come out of the gate hot, and so they're they're going 3-0 to start the season, and then they've lost three straight. Who are these people? Who is this team, right? So now they're going, they got another short week and they're heading into Cleveland. The Browns have shown that they gonna be one of the best teams in the NFL. Well, they're sitting at three and three after this blowout loss to arizona that we just talked about so bacon mayfield he's going to play through a shoulder injury you got kareem hunt he's going to miss several weeks with a calf injury both of these teams are truly at a crossroads you know you can say well the broncos are in more desperate need of win right now i don't know browns are at home you know and they're banged up on a short week i'd say that's pretty desperate i'm going with cleveland Alright, I'm gonna take Cleveland. I think they covered the three points. And uh, you know, our man, Brandon McMahon, is he won't be a factor in this one.
1: All right, we're going with the Browns. I love it. Next up on the fast five is the Bengals at Baltimore Sunday at one o'clock on CBS. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Ravens are six and a half point favorites at the time of this recording. Morton, the Ravens might be a better team overall, but don't sleep on the four and two Bengals right now.
0: I know Bengals are, are fun to watch. They're a good football team now. They've somehow climbed out of the cellar. They're not horrible anymore. Ravens are coming off an absolute statement win in week six against the Chargers. I mean, that was their first real blowout win of the season, and it came against one of the better teams in the league. So Bengals are also coming off a big win over the Lions, and they're heading into this week seven matchup. You know, like you said, surprisingly, at four and two, both of the losses they had came in close games. And it was just, you know, the difference last year was they lost a ton of close games and had a bad record this year. They're winning four close games. They won the four. So they're just a better football team. Since he seemed to be competitive more often than not. So I am going with the Ravens, however, after saying all that stuff. Uh, do the Bengals cover? I don't believe they do. I think home field with Baltimore, and I have them covering.
1: Next up, the Bears are at Tampa Sunday at 425 on CBS. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Bucks are 13 and a half point favorites at the time of this recording. Morton, that's a big number for Brady and the boys to cover against a solid Bears team, but the Bucks are pretty good. What do you think?
0: That's a big number. Bucks are clearly better but I do feel that Chicago has some things going for them that will keep this a closer game than 13 points. I do think the Bucs will win. The Bears don't have a pressure up the middle heavy defense at all, so that's historically what you need to get under Brady's skin. I think uh, Brady will just kind of take the dink, the doink, and move the football down the field. Uh, He'll beat the rookie quarterback. Don't think they cover, but I feel pretty confident that Tampa Bay wins this football game.
1: Next up, the Chiefs are at Tennessee Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS. According to our friends at BetMGM, the Chiefs are 4.5-point favorites at this time. Morton, are the Chiefs back on track after that win in Washington?
0: No, I don't think they are. I kind of like, you know, Derrick Henry. Questions anyone? (laughs) I mean, the guy's just a King Henry. He had the fastest run this past week of any running back. Ran almost 20, at top speed almost 22 miles an hour. That's going to take me, uh, you know, a car with gas in it to get to <laughs> the, that type of speed. So I don't know what the Chiefs are this year yet. Mahomes are throwing a ton of picks. He's up to eight now, eight picks already. Six games in, that's not good. Teams against the Chiefs have kind of figured out how to game plan for that playground style that the Chiefs love to run that Willie Lanier hates yeah that Willie Lanier absolutely hates so Titans man they're coming off that impressive 34 31 upset win over the Bills and I just like Derrick Henry he's a stud and if you can possess the ball and run the ball with him you keep the Chiefs offense off the field all right so I think straight up I don't even care about the line here I think Tennessee wins
1: yeah, I, I kind of agree with you here now that we've talked it out. Chiefs have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league, too. So Derek Henry's going to fall out. All right. Last game of this week's Fast Five. The Saints are at Seattle Monday Night Football on ESPN. According to our friends at MGM, the Saints are four and a half point favorites at the time of this recording. Morton, how do you see this one playing out for your beloved Saints coming off a bye?
0: Yeah, well, Geno Smith is the quarterback. Russell Wilson's hurt. So we have to, you know, Sean Payton and company, they've had a bye week. They've had like two weeks to scheme for the Seattle Seahawks. That's enough to get some things in there and get it done. I think the Saints will win. I think they cover. They travel all the way up to the Northwest, well-rested, and they will win this football game and they will cover.
1: This was good. You know, we, we stripped it down. We just went with our gut this week. I
0: We're going 5-0 and this week. I'll take four and one freeze. I'll take four after one and four. That was that was heartbreaking for me. That was tough to, you know, I had a busy week, so I didn't see a lot of football because of our charity event. But man, when I saw that, uh, went back and looked at the picks, you know, yesterday and today. I was like, hmm, rebound week needed. And here we come. All right. Now it's time for
1: Morton's game winner.
0: When I think of the evolution of kicking, I marvel at how far we have come. Historically, kicking was an afterthought, an inconvenience, something to endure and get over with. A nuisance that signaled failure to succeed in the rest of the game. Well, okay, then kick it. Try for three instead of getting seven. An interlude that interrupted the flow of the game. Time to get a hot dog and a beer. The kick and a field goal. And they were big men who put their hands in the dirt and played a real position. He's big, so let him kick. He must have a strong leg. Strap a square toe to his foot and let it rip. That was then. This is now. I was part of the transition between then and now. The straight on kicker was going out of business. Extinct like the dodo bird. Never to be seen and heard from again. Soccer-style kicking entered the game and changed it forever. The Gogolak brothers were the first, followed by many more foreign imports. Jan Stenerud was one of them. He modernized the kicking game and made it viable and cool to kick the ball. Jan was a weapon from any distance, in any condition. He was as cool as the other side of the pillow and became the gold standard for kickers in his era. We all followed him and put our personal stamp on the game. Accuracy and power was the name of the game, and there were plenty of guys who had both. The difference between the good ones and the great ones was revealed when the lights came on in the early afternoon of many Sundays. Most guys endured, but had moments of terror and epic failure. A select few flourished and welcomed the distasteful into their lair. Bring it on, that is still the case today. Brandon McManus is a gamer, and he's learned to handle the difficult. I believe he's one of the ones who will carry the torch for us all into the next era of kicking, where 60 yarders are a routine and touchbacks a guarantee. Brandon and his contemporaries stand on the shoulders of many, but they are the elite specialists now who will put their own unique stamp on the most important point-producing phase of football. Let it rip. We'll see you next time.
1: BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks and they have a really cool promotion going on right now for new players. Bet $10 to win $200 if your team scores a touchdown, and bet on any NFL money line. If your team scores a touchdown, you'll receive an additional $200 in free bets. Must be 21 or older to play, legal in Arizona, New Jersey, Indiana, Colorado, Tennessee, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. Full terms and conditions apply. BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks, and it's the official odds maker of Great Dane Nation.